All right, so welcome back. <laughs> sorry for the lack of audio. I thought there was audio on that particular part, so I'm sorry for the last few minutes that nobody's been able to listen to us say anything. Don't worry, we were just talking crap about you guys, the audience. That's what we do, you know, with the guests. We just talk mad garbage about you guys. But anyway, today's guest, according to his very own self-written bio, is Adam B. Coleman. He is a self-proclaimed modern-day Uncle Tom. I, I, I don't make it up. I just went to his site. This is what I said. He's an all-around jovial traitor to his own race. And for those of you who aren't familiar with his white people ideologies, he's also the author of the book Black Victim to Black Victor, identifying the ideologies, behavioral patterns, and cultural norms that encourage a victimhood complex. Little does Adam know, I secretly aspire to put Adam back in his rightful, socially acceptable place, the Democratic Plantation, tonight on the Unframe of Mind show. You're listening to the Unframe of Mind show, the place to have the most mind-stretching, unprotected intellectual intercourse of your life. Your hosts battle the forces of evil by lobbing fiery balls of truth, reason, and evidence over safe room walls. And welcome back to another episode of the Unframe of Mind show, where we have uncomfortable conversations without a condom. I'm your host, Daniel Wagner, and today I have a guest by the name of Adam B. Coleman, author of the book Black Victim to Black Victor. And I wanted to have him on today, partly because it was a request of a friend, but partly because I am really interested in hearing from the perspective of somebody who's seen both sides of the fence, so to speak. So, that being said, welcome to the show, Adam. Thank you for having me. All right. Now, I know there's not that big of a delay between us, so that'll make it for a really uncomfortable conversation. <laughs> <laughs> for folks who don't know you, I want to give you an opportunity to tell them about yourself and, you know, what, what is it that we should know about you? I mean, in, well, regards, uh, in regards to the book. Despite my bio. <laughs> uh, yeah, despite my bio, I'm, uh, I'm just like uh, the average person. I'm essentially a nobody, but I have uh, thoughts that I think could be helpful for other people. Um, and I want to be able to speak my mind uh, without fear. And I wanted to be able to question a particular narrative that's going around in America that perpetuates someone like myself as being inherently a victim. Um, and there are um, highlighting basically that there are, there are people who are trying to rob me of my agency and determine my outcome rather than allowing for myself to be an individual and choose the direction of my life. Maybe that's a mouthful, but... Yeah, yeah. Uh, other than that, I'm 36 years old. 36 years old. You got any kids? Yeah, yeah. I have a son. He's uh, 15 years old. 15 years old. Awesome. I've got a few of those <laughs> around the around the same age. So yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, yeah. you said a lot in what you said, and basically, it's it's the the idea that there is a certain narrative that you are expected to believe, and I think that's the case with a lot of us. I'm not excluded from that insofar as, you know, I'm, I'm expected to believe that all white people somehow are racist in some level and we're just, any of us who say we're not, we're just, you know, not coming to terms with our own inner racism or what, whatever the strange narrative and the strange pretzel twist of ideas that people have to, to, to put themselves through to get <laughs> to that idea. I don't, what, what, okay, so at some point you were actually on the other side of this um, victimhood mentality yeah. is what you call it. Yes, yes, exactly. Tell, tell I was uh, a former liberal. Um, 
I would say to present day, I'm what you would consider a conservative. Um, but, you know, I'm independent of thought. If I hear something that makes sense, I'll go with it. But um, present day, um, I kind of feel that majority of the conservative ideas fit more with myself. And uh, I love individualism. And I, I love that part of uh, conservatism. Individualism. And then, and then yeah, I... That's that's one of the big problems. <laughs> Individualism. Um, <laughs> it makes it really hard for a collective group of people, a collective group of individuals, if if you'll forgive the oxymoron, um, to try to actually come together to stop this giant blob mob of, of folks who just kind of have this one size fits all idea about how the world should be. And it's incredibly irritating, if you ask me, that to to just I, I don't know. There, there's there's something about the idea that I should believe a certain way and that I should believe a certain way because I'm a certain color. And if I don't believe a certain way because I'm a certain color, then all of a sudden I'm, I'm like an enemy. I'm, I'm, I'm the, I'm no longer, I can't, I can't wrap my mind around that. And I guess, I guess that's what I'm asking for you to try to do is try to help me wrap my mind around that. Like what, what is it? So what I'm, what I'm trying to figure out is, is if you can help me wrap my mind around the, the headspace of somebody who genuinely believes that if you don't believe a certain way, you're somehow bad or negative or immoral somehow. Is that, is that I, I'm not even sure if that's the right question to ask, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I mean, um, you know, I think a lot of it is fueled with good intentions. Um, however, the outcomes uh, matter more than the intentions at times. So uh, I think the intention is of good when you believe a particular narrative. Um, and so if someone says that the intention is to help people and they give you a particular solution and there is no counter solution, then people are gonna to gravitate towards that solution. So the solution today is to become an activist, to stand up and fight for other people and, and to believe a certain methodology, but it comes down to the problem that there seems to be no particular counter narrative other than to say they're wrong. Um, and you're right. You know, there is something difficult about being an individual while trying to help a collective. And so, you know, part of it for me is, you know, someone who's on the right side of the aisle, how do I, how do I help people to understand that they should see me as an individual um, while helping a collective, it's a, it's a very tricky, tricky subject, you know, like, for example, Republicans want to have more diversity without being overtly looking for diversity, because that's what Democrats do. Democrats say, we want black, the black vote, we're going to target black people, whereas the conservatives are more individualistic, and they don't want to see the skin color as the primary factor for someone. You know, they're not invisible that I'm black, but they don't want to target me because I'm black. They want to push out good ideas. So it's it's very difficult to reach a certain certain group of people without necessarily highlighting that they are part of a, a particular group. Now, I think uh, guys like you and I have very different um, a, a different. We come from a very different place insofar as we kind of. We've been on the other side, you know, as opposed to, say, the conservative that's always mm -hmm. been a conservative from the day they were born. You know, they 
I have trouble with seeing the good in people, even on the left. I have a really hard time with the 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 right wing narrative that those people on the, the demon crats or what whatever the demon rats or you know all the dirty names that they come up with to try to turn. Right. Democrats into some kind of evil people, and I just don't think that maybe maybe those in power for sure. But I'm just talking about rank and file Democrats that legitimately and and genuinely want the world to be a better place. They 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 maybe a little short sighted, maybe don't quite understand how this stuff works. But it's it's like you can't. I I don't know about you. I can't demonize people like that. I can't look at them as the the quote unquote enemy. Um, I, and and I've even gone even farther as you know I, I I I don't I don't particularly stay on either side of the political divide, um, so it makes it makes it for for a really weird weird set of conversations you can have with folks. But um, what what is what's been your experience of of trying to because because I know you've you've been on both sides so that that actually gives you a bit of benefit to maybe figure out a better way to talk to people on both sides and try to bridge the gap. Has there been any like particular things you've tried to do to bridge gaps between the two sides so to speak assuming that the two sides is even a real thing we can talk about well actually that and that's a good point are there really are there are there two sides and if there are two sides are they that far apart so um one thing i started realizing especially when you know someone like myself who is constantly on the internet and looking at culture war stuff you start to envision the world as two sides, but not just two sides, two far distant sides. Mm-hmm. So maybe you have someone who is on the right who is saying demon rats and and they, you know, they're very vitriolic. And then you have someone who is on the left who is saying, uh, you know, everybody, uh, every conservative uh, uh, is a racist and, yeah, and all these, bigots. you know, they're going to the extreme <laughs> levels. Fascists, yes. These people are extremists, no matter which side that they're on. But I personally believe that the vast majority of Americans are not extremists. The vast majority of Americans are somewhere in the middle and somewhere maybe they, depending on the topic, they're a blend of the two. And so from my perspective, I really don't care about the extremists. I think we put way more emphasis on the extremists and trying to deconvert them or to bring them towards the center I think of it like a cult. Sometimes people leave cults when I I know it's kind of a strong word, but no, 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 it's it's a perfect word. When (laughs) um, sometimes people leave cults when the information that they're given contradicts the other information that they're given, and things start to not make sense. Right. So you know, we know people. I'm sure you know someone who's a, a like a SJW. They're on the extreme side, and they left that. Because maybe accidentally one day they came across information that, that contradicted what they were told, or the list of information that they were told to follow all contradicts each other. Basically, what I'm getting at is the extremists will eventually leave if they're going to leave. And putting all of our muscle and effort into uh, you know, removing people from the extremist side, yeah. that'd be like if, if our goal was to go into Afghanistan and convert uh, you know, jihadists into being non-jihadists. That's that's a feed in in itself. Like, why would we spend so much effort? How about we protect the people who aren't extremists? How how about we prevent them from becoming extremists? So my objective is to always speak in a very um, moderate tone, 
because if you speak moderately, it's a message that's a lot easier and a lot a lot more uh, palatable. And uh, you, you mean that is something that the people you you mean just just screaming into a megaphone doesn't. <laughs> I mean, you know, bellowing at the top of your lungs and cussing somebody out and calling them names that that hasn't worked for you. I mean, it technically doesn't work. Uh, <laughs> I find that strange. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, very strange. Um, funny people people that usually don't like being screamed at uh, unless you're like going into the military and you know that's that's what you're about to get into. So, <laughs> um, but other than that, like, I, I, I basically what I'm just saying is highlighting the people who are in the center and and showing them that hey, that rhetoric that you're hearing. Uh, you know, all these corporations talking about systemic racism and trying to get you to um, take a look at critical race theory, all these different things. This this is like the slow reach of getting people who aren't extremists into the extremist side. I think it's way more, um, we would have much more success showing the flaws of the extremists to the people in the center rather than trying to reach out to the extremists to pull them to the center. If that makes sense, that absolutely makes sense. But unfortunately, we all know that the, the uh, extremism is what sells papers. Uh, moderates, you know, in a nice, calm tone, just having a discussion, being a nice, average American, that doesn't sell mm-hmm. papers. That doesn't generate clicks. That doesn't make people go to rush to CNN to see what the latest, you know, pearl clutching event's going to be. It's just, it's just not going to work. <laughs> And so I, I want to hit a few comments. Right. I want I want to hit a few of the uh, comments and questions. But before I do, um, I told you about a segment that we do called the Phobismist. I want to grab that real quick before I completely forget about it. Um, so mm-hmm. uh, you ready to uh, explain to people why they should be offended by something? <laughs> you ready? Yes. All right. I'm. I'm. Let me put. Let me put my offended hat on. Yeah. Put on. Put on your. I'm offended hat and get ready for this. Here we go. <laughs> Phobismist. Righty, and today on the Phobismist, as soon as I bring this up right here, well, let me uh, get the correct screen and we will have it all together. I'm still working on my new, uh, new little piece here. Hello! Alright, there we go. That's what I wanted. Alright, so today on the Phobismist... We're going to tell you why you should be offended by the Mars rover Perseverance. Um, this little piece of mechanical machinery that's planets away. Planet away? I guess it's planets away, isn't it? One planet away. Yeah. You know, couldn't be bothered to stay here on Earth and deal with bullshit like all the rest of us. But um, do you want to, do you want to go ahead and kick us off and tell us why you think this, this Mars rover is offensive? Yeah, absolutely. I find it very offensive. I find it offensive that the U.S. government took money away from Black people when they could have given it to them for reparations and used it to colonize another place that doesn't have white people and to put another white artifact in place. Ooh. It's very offensive, in my opinion. Wow, that's that's a hell of a perspective. And, and for those of you who have never seen <laughs> what's so funny, don't laugh. If you're offended, own those feelings, man. It's not funny. It ain't yeah. funny. Anyway, for those of you who yeah. don't know what the phobismist is, it is it is a a, a word that I made up, <laughs> combining the the uh, phobism and ist, and it's a professional, it's 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 a it's a labor of love, really, um, explaining to people why they should be offended by everything. So if you want to know what the the uh, 
full definition of that word is, head over to uh, Urban Dictionary and you'll see the entry for phobismus. So, yeah, a matter of fact, the, one of the one of the reasons I wrote down that this was highly offensive is very much in alignment with what you were saying. But I think you might have said it even a little better, even. But um, mine was that there are children in Africa starving right now who could have benefited from the 2.9 billion they spent on this machine, sending it to an allegedly uninhabited planet. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's very true. Think about that. I mean, how many times did your parents tell you, if you, you know, you better clean your plate, there's children in Africa that are starving. And out of guilt, you finish your plate. But I guess apparently these NASA astronauts didn't quite get the message. <laughs> they had terrible mothers, if they had a mother at all. Anyway, um, also naming it Perseverance... That's rather problematic in that it makes dumb folks uncomfortable. Due to its multisyllabic nature, a significant portion of the population can't even spell perseverance without three attempts at typing it and an overzealous autocorrect. <laughs> so there's that. That's very true. Yes, and you also alluded to this one as well, that the engineers who design, built, and operate perseverance are overwhelmingly white and overwhelmingly male. It's time we get better representation mm. among all cultures and sexes for the next mission. So keep that in mind, I, you star watchers, next time you're watching your Mars Perseverance. <laughs> anyway, so let's head on back into our discussion here. Bring you back big. Hey, what's up, Adam? Long time no see. I'm just kidding. You were there. Um. Anyway, so some of the comments here. We've got... Uh, Omara67 from YouTube says, the farther away people get from the middle, the less I like them. <laughs> Extremism is not my thing. <laughs> and, and Agreed. you know, there, there's, there's one, there's one um, problem I see with that particular statement, and, and it's that there's, an, uh, there's this assumption that there's this, like, continuum, this line between A and B. You know, a lot of people make the same mistake, and it's understandable. It's all we've had shoved down our throats since we were, you know, knee-high to a grasshopper, as they say. Um the idea that there's a middle implies there is a beginning and an end. And I don't think that's quite the case. I, I saw somebody, I don't know if you've seen this particular graphic going around. Um, it basically has all of the different uh, authoritarian, anarchist, left, right, uh, all those in a circle rather than in a line. It's not quite. That's I, true. Yeah, I mean, it's it's closer. I'll give you that. It's closer, and it's starting to get to the core issue of things that, you know, really everything's just kind of a mix of just general ideas, and there's really no left and right and as long as people as long as we're using those kinds of uh terms this this uh, this uh them versus us language it makes it really really difficult to be able to move the conversation forward it's it's something that people need to learn to break out of mentally and um i think you might have a sense of that having been on both sides of a major narrative where I would imagine, I don't know yeah. where you're at in your journey right now, but I mean, at some point you might even be looking outside those two narratives altogether. Is there any truth to that at all? What 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 what's, yeah, what would you say is what yeah? You, so yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, what I was gonna say is, um, you know, when I was left leaning, I only listened to left leaning media, um, and to be honest with you, I didn't even realize there was a right leaning media. Um, it just it never really. Besides Fox News, that was like, that's the, for any liberal, it's like, uh, yeah, but Fox News, like that's, I was like, but there's one, You're, like, if that's true, it's just one. Um, and there's a whole right-leaning media landscape that I, I, I wasn't even aware of. Um, and so when I started listening to conservative thought coming from conservatives, then 
I started realizing how that the way of thinking and the way of living life and, and the political approach felt more natural to me. And I realized how there were times out when, while being on the left, I was conflicted about certain things and, and I was going along with it because I felt like I was part of that tribe. Um, in, in some cases and in other cases, I didn't realize that there was another perspective that was potentially positive. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think you're up. You're onto something as far as like there really isn't a center per se. It's just kind of how we how we speak colloquially. Um, and what's also funny is like the farther you go in either direction, the you actually kind of intersect with each other. So if I was to tell you that I think that black people should be separated from white people, uh, you're not sure if if I'm a left-wing BLM extremist, or if I'm a, uh, you know, a white supremacist, <laughs> you know, actually, you, actually, I don't, because they don't, both want the same things. Yeah, that's okay. I, I see what you're saying. Like it almost comes full circle. And, and I think there's a lot of that. Yeah. You see um, a lot of people on both sides will sit there and call out this call out culture where it's like, oh, you're a hypocrite because, you know, you you think black people should be separated and there, there's like the meme that goes around that show I, i'm sure you've seen it the one that shows the uh the the white fountain and the black fountain and then you know uh, mm-hmm. one's one's called one's called a uh, uh, jim crow and one's called like social justice <laughs> but it's the same picture yeah. uh, it's like it's like that that crap right there really where it comes i didn't even think of that particular perspective but you're right as i'm as i'm sitting here thinking about it i wanted to argue that you know maybe one would say that the races should be separated and one says uh the, the races um, should have the choice to be separated. Um, but really that neither one of them think that I think, I think more that than anything else as an anarchist. <laughs> it's like, I mean, if you guys want to be separated, be separated. I don't care. Like if, if, if black people want to get together and go make a separate community over here off the side, what do I give a crap? I, I don't care. Like as long as you're not hurting right. nobody, as long as you're not violating the non-aggression principle, I really don't care what you do. Um, and right. I, I did want to, you, you were mentioning the idea that, uh, you had these ideas that didn't quite fit what your your selected group believed, but you went along with it anyway. Uh, and and I guess at some point, mm-hmm. at some point, it just became so overwhelming that that was I, once you said that I was sitting there thinking about back when I was a Christian or or believed some of the Christian views and like at some point it was just like the the overwhelming amount of things that I was like I don't really agree with that <laughs> and here's why here's why. after a while I'm like I just can't be that anymore you know it just it's, it becomes part of your complete identity <laughs> and you're like I just sorry guys you know you know come hell or high water or whatever the whatever the consequences and that's what I want to get into with you next is, is some of the consequences um, before I do that let me hit an, a couple more comments here I, I meant to hit more earlier there's somebody I guess a fan of yours loves to write in all caps main, named uh, Jimmy <laughs> Stamp Stamper uh, he is my go-to upchuck struggle jelly go. I don't know what he's saying. Um, <laughs> shut up you white bra. I, I'm not really sure. Are you a white bra or am I the white bra? <laughs> anyway. Um, I don't know that in this landscape, it could be either one of us. So I think he means bruh, <laughs> but you know, if, if I were, okay, if I were a white bra, okay. If you were a white bra, which, which kind would you be? <laughs> I think that's what the, a very comfortable white bra. I think that's what the question <laughs> is actually. You you would be a comfortable. See, I would be a 
overpriced Victoria's Secret lacy bra, something that, you know, mm. will support the ladies, but, you know, you want to let people know you got money. That That's the kind of white bra I would be. So. I would just want to make sure that I can wear it in all conditions and make sure I'm comfortable because the last thing you want is an uncomfortable bra. I, I completely agree. I completely agree. So let's see here. Um, <laughs> Crazy Carrie says, nobody should allow the media to dictate what political side you follow. Now that's interesting. Um, you, do you want to take that comment? Do you, do you want to take that comment? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Uh, I think people should question everything that comes out from anyone's uh, mouth, uh, especially if they are paid by a corporation. So if, it, if it's coming out, I'm almost like this. I've come to the point where you're guilty until you prove innocent. Uh, so for example, CNN, if there's a story that comes out, I don't know. <laughs> Let me look otherwise. Let me think about this. Let me use some common sense. Um, uh. And maybe they're right, or maybe they're partially right. Um, one of the big things I started realizing is framing. You know, framing is a huge deal. So even though the article may be correct, how they frame it um, is something where they're trying to push you into a way of thinking. Uh, and they used to do that a lot with Donald Trump. Um, I remember just reading articles where it's not even a negative thing, but they would they would say Donald Trump did X Y Z. Uh, Donald Trump is under a lot of scrutiny because of the Capitol riots. <laughs> I was like, wait a second, what does that have to do with <laughs> with one or the other? Uh, they, they're just doing that to remember he's a bad guy though. Uh, <laughs> so it, it's that kind of framing, and, and, and it's uh, very disingenuous. So I'm very aware of that these days. Yeah, and um, to just to add to what you were saying, I wrote an art a, a, a piece years ago. Uh, it's it's the media guide to the, it's it's your guide to the media cesspool. It's basically a fake news guide. It's on the website unframeofmind.com. If you guys want to check that out, it just basically gives a number of tips very similar to what you were just mentioning. Um, things to look out for. Things to, you know. Th there's some things that are just preferences of mine that I would just prefer my news media have or not have. Um, like one example that really comes mm -hmm. to mind is the lack of uh, comments, like if they shut the comments off, because I don't know about you, but when I go to see an article mm -hmm. or I see a video or something like that, I'm the kind of guy that's curious. OK, what are OK? I see what the video is saying. Now, what are the other people saying mm -hmm. in the comments? And you just kind of get a general general idea of what other people's opinions are maybe they maybe somebody brings up an, a, a a perspective that you hadn't even considered that maybe oh well you know that makes sense i i could see why you know but when they have the comments turned off that's a big red flag to me that they don't want that discourse to happen that they want to be in control of the narrative and as a result i i don't participate in those particular uh, media sources but yeah, it's it's a uh, like I said. If you want to check that out, it's over on my website. It's actually on the homepage. One of the links for you. Um, Krista says, "I'm glad you guys are such expert on bras. Bras does not mean hate." <laughs> <laughs> um, Patricia Wagner, my mother, she says, "Bro, bruh, not bra." <laughs> God damn it, that's great. Uh, Crazy Carrie says, "It's all about their agendas. Their agendas." Um, yeah, I <laughs> yes. Yeah, I that 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 becomes a really difficult way of 
viewing the world. Um, just because, I, look, if I could go back, honestly, sometimes I wish I could go back and just be in the, in 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 the ignorance of the blissful ignorance of it all. Just watching the news and taking it for what it's saying and going, yeah, well, the news said it. It's this, but now it's like I can't watch any news source, whether it agrees with me or not, without you know that. Mm-hmm. Light bulb, like I got, I have to. I don't, I don't know what your media diet looks like, but mine is like this weird eclectic mix. That if if all you did, if all you knew about me was you were going through my little podcast feed, or my YouTube feed, or you wouldn't have any idea what I believe. And that's that's great. That's how I like it because <laughs> I I want to get all kind of perspectives. Yeah. What what what's what have you done? What have you done specifically in terms of your media diet to kind of prevent? ending up back in that position where you were in before? Uh, Something similar to what you're saying. So, um, you know, I listened to a bunch of different sources, um, not to like completely give them like a shout out, but during my, I would say my transformation, one of the things that really helped me like talking about framing and things like that was actually watching Timcast. And I know he is liberal, he identifies as liberal, mm-hmm. but I liked how he was breaking down a particular article and explaining why this is incorrect. Um, and that also helped to kind of give me the tools to do it for myself that I don't agree with it, but I understand how he got to that point and I understand the, the methodology behind him making that particular opinion. I might think otherwise, but there's definitely things that we agree. I, I agree yeah. with him on and, and, and so forth. But um, I, I think that I click on it just about everything. And matter of fact, one, one of the things, when, <laughs> this might sound kind of funny, but one of the things I started doing when I started realizing the amount of lies and the, the amount of slander that they throw at people who they call white supremacists, I started specifically watching them mm-hmm. for myself. Oh. I was like, oh, this guy's not bad. Like, what are they talking about? <laughs> oh my God. One you of know, the- so it's like every single time. Yeah, one of the favorite got one of my favorites uh, uh podcasters, uh Stefan Molyneux. I listen to him all, I knew all the time. And if yeah. you go to his wiki, which if anybody's using wiki, I pat pat them on the <laughs> head and tell them better, teach them. Fuck's sake, don't use don't use Wikipedia, guys. Anyway, if all you looked at at Wikipedia Bro, is you would think his, he was the most racist, hateful, you know, m- misogynist, evil bastard that ever walked the face of the earth. And I'm reading this, I'm going, I have never heard any of this out of him, ever. <laughs> and he has a lot of content. Anyway. So, like... like Yeah, it, what's so funny, too. Yeah. Like, his, his Wikipedia page, I remember going to, and his page had all of the buzzwords. All of the left-wing attack buzzwords. And I thought that was hysterical. <laughs> the bu- yeah, the buzzwords. That's, yeah. So, that's, yeah. You're like, wait a minute. They really worked to put all these in there. And actually, if you listen to one of the original guys that started Wikipedia, who no longer works with Wikipedia, is he'll tell you straight up, that, that place has become a cesspool. There is, no, there is nothing uh, that's not social justice going on over there. Like, if it, if it goes against the narrative, yeah. they have a whole series of, of basically attack be, uh, uh, soldiers that go and try to change everything and then they lock it down where you can't change the stuff it's like if, if you knew if people knew how the wikipedia model actually worked they would never touch that thing with a 10-foot pole um just as far as media diet just like for, yeah. for example um what i what i was 
looking at uh, come on come on i've got i've got like uh scott Ad- coffee with scott adams um dan bongino michael savage um you got penn sunday school the jimmy Dore show uh star talk with uh, uh neil degrasse tyson like just a, a, and a lot of um just just a, a variety <laughs> it's it's a variety i used i used to listen to a, a gentleman by the name i use gentleman loosely by the name of Tariq nasheed and i i I, I I figured by our previous, <laughs> I assume that means you've heard of him and he's hilarious. Oh, yeah. He's hilarious. I, I, I think, I don't know if he's just trying to be a satirical comedian or what his deal is, but it's not if for any, okay. For anybody who hasn't heard of or heard Tariq Nasheed, he, what, what would you say about it? What, what would, what would be your first initial thought about his platform? Well, I would say Tariq Nasheed is exactly what his Twitter bio says. The number one race baiter. <laughs> oh, he's changed like, it since I checked exact- last. Wow. Oh, he changed it? Oh, okay. I didn't well, know. That, no, he didn't have yeah. that before. <laughs> wow. Now, now, now yeah. so basically, as I'm listening to his podcast, it was just so interesting because I, lo- I liked it. I don't, I don't really care what you think, but I'm really curious how you got to it, you know? And it's interesting listening mm-hmm. to him put together these these building blocks that somehow always end up in the same destination of um, because white supremacy, like that, like the reason all of our problems, every single problem you've ever faced ever, ever, he puts on these big old white supremacist glasses and, and looks through those, those lenses always. <laughs> it's like, and it's not him that bothers you me. Know, it's it, just to, just to finish. It's not him that bothers me. It's, it's his hundred thousand plus Twitter followers that, eat this shit up <laughs> hook line and sinker and believe him like that's what bothers me <laughs> what were you, you know, saying and what's interesting about him him specifically is that i don't know if you know this but he used to be uh one of those like pickup artist guys oh really i could see that he seems like a real smooth talker kind of guy yeah that was that was like his thing that was his that I do. That yeah, was his hustle. I do. I do remember. And so, if you think okay. about it, like, because the pickup artist game is—is is it? Oh no! I'm just going to say the pickup artist game is is a complete hustle. And so, all he did was he found an even more effective hustle, and the the race hustle <laughs> game. Oh, it's it's working out beautifully for him. Every he has the it's it's so funny too because it's like a it's like a reverse equation. Uh, instead of taking and having the building blocks to find the answer, he always has the answer. It's yeah. just a matter of connecting to that answer. So the answer is always white supremacy. It's just a matter of how do I connect it to white supremacy? <laughs> the so race it's, hustle game. It's absolutely genius. It's, <laughs> the race hustle right, game by it's, Hasbro. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> you find it right next to connect four in that old checkers game that, you know, is always missing a piece. I've got it on my shelf, right. the race hustle game. You've, you've played it, haven't you? <laughs> Oh man, I, I used to I used to have all all the versions. I had the white supremacy version. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I I had I had all of them. I had the uh, was it the Al Sharpton edition? <laughs> oh oh, the collector pack. I never got that. Are you selling yours? Can I can I buy that from you? <laughs> I'm not allowed to sell it to you. <laughs> oh, is it, is it because I'm white? It's because I'm white, isn't it? Yes. Okay, that's that's exactly. okay. I, I get it, man. I get it. I totally get it. All right. If if anybody has any questions for Adam, please feel free to leave them in the comment section. I think Jimmy Stamper said he had a question, but I haven't actually 
seen the question just yet. So feel free to post it out there. We're not afraid of any questions, man. I mean, um, I do, I do want to try, I, I really want to try to find something we disagree on and see how, just to see how you handle it. Cause I'm just, I'm really curious. Okay. Um, and, and for, okay. for, for me, it's usually comes down to a number of things. It could be, uh, I'm an anarchist. I'm an atheist. Um, I believe that all drugs should be legalized. Um, I, you know, that that's, that's kind of the big ones that people tend to argue with me the most about. Is there any of those mm-hmm. that you hear heard that you're just like, nah, nah, that's not right. <laughs> and here's why. Or do you have some So I it, it's so funny as you're saying that, I'm I'm so the opposite. I'm like, all right, I can understand that. Oh, I agree with him there. I can understand that. <laughs> that's that's like that's my mindset instead of like looking to fight with someone. But well, um Yeah, no, no, not so, so much look at a fight. Just you know, I I I, I find the most productive <laughs> conversations are the ones in which we don't quite agree. And that's and that I think it's really productive for other folks to be able to see healthy healthy debate like that. I'm I'm not trying to like rope you into a debate necessarily, but you know, just trying to get oh, a no, sense no, no, no. sense yeah. of, you know, uh you know, because when you when you transition from from quote unquote one side to the other, you know, there's some things you might still believe from the old belief system, whereas, you know, you're, I don't imagine you're full hardcore conservative at this point, are you? I mean, I didn't get that sense out of no. what you were saying. So what I would say is, so you're atheist. Mm-hmm. I, I would identify as Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, uh, I'm not like a, you know, if you want to use the term like a Bible thumper, where I know every single passage. Um this, this was somewhat of a transition because I was not an atheist, but I was agnostic. Um, That's so interesting. I, for me, the, one of the reasons why I went back to Christianity, I kind of grew up with it a little bit, but I wasn't, it was kind of like passive mm-hmm. as, as a child growing up. Uh, but the reason, one of the reasons I went back to it is because certain things in my life started changing the more I realized that it felt like God was looking out for me. Uh, even in unfortunate situations, I would have things, very particular things that would happen. Um, and I'm one of those people who tries to be logical and say, oh, it's coincidence. But when I started open up to say, or maybe, maybe it's not coincidence, and I started accepting God in my life, my life started to change. Um, and, and it started to take off from there. And so that is, that is one of the things that has push me more uh push me back into christianity um yeah like like so what, that's that's where we differ what would be like a specific thing that you noticed started changing like what was it that made you go huh this maybe there's something to this you know um there were let's just say there were certain there were certain events in my life where um you you would say like man you you got like a lucky break here mm-hmm. um whether especially like for my career um there were i'll give you one specific thing um i feel like god put certain people on my life at certain periods of time when i needed them um and for some people those they were in my life for a period of time and then they're out but I, it was important that they were there and um one one of the things that was like really beneficial for me is when my ex-girlfriend broke up with me. <laughs> like uh, it was, it was devastating for me, but it ended up being one of the best things to ever happen. How, to me how many of life. those things don't end Not up with thank God. Because of her, like she's a terrible person, but. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> um, not specifically because she's like a terrible person or anything, but 
but it put me it put me in a position to look within myself and to um, open up more. Um, and actually, subsequently, I, I met a woman who was, um, this might sound weird, but she said she's like more clairvoyant. And she would say, and I, this sounds crazy, but I absolutely believe her. Like, she can't see them, but she hears the voices. Not like, uh, you know, go in here and do this. But like, she hears, she, I remember one time she told me she heard a voice and the voice was uh, like a grandmother of someone that she used to know. Hmm. And, and they were talking to her. So there would be times she'd be in the bathroom and she'd be like, stop it because they're speaking to her and, and stuff like that. Oh, wow. If you were to meet her and, and, and you see how she reacts, there's nothing crazy about her. There's nothing off, off about her or anything like that. So one of the things that she told me, because I started having, I started having like nightmares but I was having um, very particular nightmares where I was being attacked, uh, attacked by bees and stuff like that. And, and she knew I was agnostic. She's like, listen, I know that you're not Christian. You, you don't necessarily believe in God or whatever, but I think it would be beneficial for you to pray because they know that you're a non-believer. And so you're easier to attack. And I was like, okay. And I started doing that before I went to sleep. I started praying you know, the God will watch after me. Mm-hmm. And my nightmares started to, they basically went away when I, when I kept that up. And I, I could actually feel a difference around me at times, especially at night when I was going to sleep. You know, I used to wake up like at two in the morning, randomly all the time. And, I, and I couldn't figure out why. Just something, um, something in your consciousness was not letting you rest or something. You just didn't know what. Right. Well, actually, and you know what's what's scary. So before she told me that, and I think it was just before I met her. Yeah, it was before I met her. Uh, this wasn't a dream. I was I was lucid. I I was I woke up around two in the morning. My eyes are barely open, mm-hmm. and I heard an eerie voice in my head say my name, or in my ear say my name, and it was incredibly creepy. And so I tried to move, and I couldn't move, and. And it was like, there was something holding me down. It was like a force around me and it was incredibly creepy. So when she told me that I started like connecting things, like I hear, I hear that voice to this day. That Hell is how no. freaky it was. <laughs> and <I'm, laughs> no damn way. Like that, I know like, that, Nope. Time to move out. Like, oh. <laughs> but that was the only time it happened to me, but it was, it was incredibly strange. And so when she told me that and adding all these nightmares and stuff like I was having, mm-hmm. I started praying and, and all that stuff started to change. And so my, my thoughts on God started to shift a little bit. Like maybe there is more to it. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm being overly logical when it comes to religion. And, and I felt so conflicted about, about following a religion and being agnostic and just saying, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's I much easier to be more open to it. Yeah, I'd say I'd say religion is not a uh, logistician's game. I think that's a word. Yeah, if if you're if you're wanting to go yeah. down the road of logic, strictly logic, I don't think you can uh, survive very long in the world of 
any kind of religion personal personally. I know a lot of a lot of people, a lot of apologists do try to come up with some kind of weird Tariq Nasheed level pretzel twisting to try to get, <laughs> you know, get it to fit into their their world view, but I just I just don't see it myself. Maybe I just don't have a conscience because I've never had like the nightmares and stuff that you talk about, the the guilty conscience or anything like that. I mean, honestly, um for me, the peace of mind that comes with having a consistent worldview between my religion, my parenting, my government, my Everything. I don't have to have everything compartmentalized where I have these conflicting values and views depending on which uh, hat I've put on that day, if that makes sense. Um, that's been a huge burden off my shoulders in terms of just like the amount of the amount of thought that has to go into, you know, coming to terms with myself, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a, it's been an interesting. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, look, I, as far as far as a. Uh, um, the whole Christian versus atheist thing is it was funny because back in like middle school, like I was constantly um, like that's kind of when I started my journey into atheism for the most part. And mm -hmm. it was like this, this militant uh, type atheism that you hear about that, you know, I like somehow uh, Christians are like evil and they're bad and they're, they're the enemy and I got to crush them at all costs and prove them wrong now. And it's like <laughs> maturity and 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 wisdom has taught me that there's actually a lot that I can learn that people can learn from Christians in terms of the values you know I actually pride myself ironically on the fact that I hold my I hold Christian values stronger than most Christians I know <laughs> and that's yeah, I know that's. It may sound weird. I don't know, but you know the idea of treating others like the way you want to be treated. You know, don't steal, don't rape, don't murder, don't you know? Basically, the non-aggression principle part of the Bible. Like, I'm all I'm all down for that. Matter of fact, I used to go to a church uh, with my wife years ago, um, Wellspring Christian Church down here in Spring Hill, and uh, they knew what I believed, and they didn't treat me any differently, and I pr I appreciated that so much. Because I loved listening to the guy's sermons. Um, Pastor Andy, he was uh, always given these awesome sermons. Uh, you, you'd like there was there was a, a good good message behind it that I would I would kind of like separate out the supernatural stuff for myself. But you know, as far as the core values that are you know presented within it, I'm like, yeah, this is good stuff. I agree with all this. But yeah, it was just yeah. kind of a fun kind of a fun journey for sure. Um, I think I think our friend Jimmy Stamper finally posted the question. I, I seen it just a minute ago. Let me see. Maybe you understand this, but he says, uh, what you think about what ACAL said about Tom? A C A L. I don't know what that is. Is that question um, A Cal? Yeah, A C A L. Maybe, does he mean AOC or I, I don't know. Um what you think about what A Cal said about Tom. Unless he's talking about AOC and Tim. I have no idea. I don't if it's if it's political, <laughs> I I don't know right now. I haven't been paying I'm not sure. I have not been paying much attention to politics. Um yeah. Once, once you kind of recognize that the entire state apparatus is in complete control over who gets into office after they fixed the, the, the leaks that they had from allowing Trump to get into office, uh, well, there's not really much conversation left to be had on that front. So we're going to go ahead and start talking about other important things like building up community and getting to know your neighbor and, you know, important things, loving one another. And like you were talking about, putting a highlighter on people in the middle, <laughs> you know, things like mm -hmm. that. Um, so I am curious, you know, yes, I've, I've heard of a lot of people who have been down this path, taken the journey that you've taken. And at some point you decided, you know what, I'm going to write a book about this. 
like that's quite a big step because <laughs> a, a book for, first yeah. of all is is a huge undertaking i know i'm in the middle of working on one and have been for years um i don't know how people write two or three books a year i don't know how this happens but apparently i'm just not that fast of a writer but what was it in your mind that made you decide hey you, this this seems like the the correct path for me to take at this point um, so it was a few years ago, I actually wanted to just write a book in general. Um, I wanted to leave something behind for my son. Um, you know, I, I, I started thinking about legacy and, you know, it was one of those things I, I remember just thinking, um, what's a way to stay alive forever, you know, to leave a legacy behind in that, you know, something that you can be proud of or other people can be proud of. Um, so I wanted to do something like that for my son because one day I'm not going to be here, and so I figured a book was a was a good thing to try and leave behind. Um, I enjoyed writing, generally speaking, um, but I didn't write too often. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that I could write, and when I did write, at times people liked it. Um, so it's not like writing was a foreign concept for me or anything like that. Um, but I had no idea what I wanted to write about. Uh, I had like one idea, but it, it, I couldn't think of a concept whatsoever. And I, I honestly, I didn't have the, the real motivation and passion to, to start it. Uh, but then George Floyd happened and the whole country and the narrative in the country on top of like having the lockdowns where everybody is now stuck in their homes, focused on the George Floyd scenario. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just felt like the the whole thing was completely unhealthy. And then when I wanted to speak up on top of speaking up about like situations with COVID and, and my opinions that differed from the narrative and just trying to make sense of what's happening around the world, I felt like there wasn't enough room to express myself. So then I started looking for alternative uh, methods of, of doing so. Um, you know, I went on, on different forums and I started talking to different people and started being exposed to conservatives by chance, but it gave me more of the confidence to write. Uh, and so I was like, you know what, maybe I should do it. And, and literally I, I started posting how I felt and, and people were messaging me and saying, you know, you should, you should write, like hmm. you should do this more often. Right. And I was like, you know what, maybe this is, this is the topic for me to to do, to kind of talk about, um, you know, so I just started writing. I didn't necessarily have a complete direction. I, I literally just said, what are some things that are wrong, you know, with the narrative or in the black community in general? Are you meaning and to I tell me, chapters. are you meaning to tell me that you didn't have a destination in mind already? <laughs> you didn't already have the answers. <laughs> no. Yeah. As a matter of fact, um, I want to say I started writing... I want to say it was in July of last year, or or maybe it was June of last year. I, I started writing around that point. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until around November that I started realizing my voice had changed and my writing style improved, but my approach had changed. And I, I would go back and read stuff I wrote in like August and I sounded very angry. Oh, but as you, time went on, when you said your voice changed, I was thinking like you hit puberty or something, you know, maybe you just <laughs> dropped an octave or something. Yeah, that would be alarming for a lot of us who didn't understand what was going on. <laughs> right, right. Um, 
but but as far as my 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 voice change as far as a writer and my approach and actually the more research i did the more i started to have compassion as far as the people who who acted a particular way so a lot of my book i talk about similarly to what you talk about the elites the elitists um, you know, the extremely wealthy and influential people within this country, mm-hmm. and that the real divide has more to do with class than it has anything to do with race. Um, and so while the book talks about very important things uh, that are relatable to anybody that are issues within the Black community, I'm talking about we have, me and you, despite us looking different, we have a common threat. And that common threat are the people who try to dictate our lives and who try to create hysteria, who try to create a narrative. And uh, it, if I if I tried to create some sort of boogeyman or not boogeyman, but like a bad guy within the book, I'm trying to make people aware that the elites, especially within the government and the elites who are controlling all these higher institutions, they don't give a damn when it comes to race. That no, it's just no. a mechanism for them to have more control. Right, right. So the, the, the race is the boogeyman. I, I tried to the fascist in the bushes. Right, you the know, races. And, and even and even on the other side, I think you know Antifa, you know, crawling all over the streets and burning all the cities down. That might be the the rights version of the same thing. You know, it's just it's just not as prevalent as people think it is. Right, right. It's it's not as prevalent. It's disturbing, but it's not as prevalent. Right, right. Um, yeah, it's definitely <laughs> happening. Yeah, there's definitely still a, a organized working KKK. Of course there is. But as far as, you know, the statistical significance of it, it's no- nothing. It's it's literally a blip on the radar, if that. Like, out of, what, 300 million plus people we have in the United States, I think last number I heard was, like, there's 6,000 like KKK members or something. I'm like, that's nothing. That's that's a lot if yeah. they're all in the same room. But hell, I've seen Trump rallies <laughs> pull together more people than that in in two days. You know, <laughs> right? Um, so yeah, I, I, I think especially with my awakening, you know, I became while it's easy to say conservative, I became actually more libertarian minded. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. I got you. I, I get that sense from you. Yeah. You know. Yeah, where I, you know, just let me live my life. Stop trying to tell me what to do. Stop trying to control how I think and and what I should do with myself. And stop trying to tell me that I can't. There's so much discussion today about what people can't do rather than what they're capable of doing. Um, And and it's so disturbing that people like that message. And and victimhood has become a currency for people. Um, So, you know, I I especially love talking about you know, conservative leaning libertarian kind of values where just live and let live. I don't care what you do with yourself. I don't care what you want to identify as. Just don't force me to comply with what you want. Do what, do whatever you want. And, and that's, that's how I feel. So like these taboo topics, when they talk about transgender, if that's how you feel, if you're over the, if you're 18 and up and you feel the opposite sex, you want to do whatever your body have at it. Mm-hmm. But don't don't enlist the government to to force me to comply with how you think I should that's act towards you. Exactly. That, that and that's that's where I have an issue. And I started realizing how the usage of government, especially if you want to focus on race and you want to talk about black people, I like I mentioned the civil rights. We always talk about the civil rights as 
black people rising up to get white people to stop oppressing them. But that's not what the civil rights movement was. The civil rights movement was black activists standing up to get the government to stop oppressing them. This is a opposition to the government. Mm -hmm. And we don't see that. We always see black and white because that is exactly the narrative they want you to focus on. Half of the country followed these particular rules because that part of the country was following these rules that was implied by the government. And, and that is, it always comes back to the government and the uses of government to force people to do certain things. And I, and I, I realized that the government does not grant you rights. It only restricts it. And so they're either choosing to restrict it or not to restrict it, mm -hmm. but they're not granting you God-given rights. They're just saying, you know what? We're going to take your rights away. And that is exactly what the civil rights movement was about. It was about getting our rights back because you're restricting our rights. You're telling us what we can and can't do in our freedom of movement. Let us dictate our own lives. Don't say where we can drink our water. Don't say which bathroom we can go into, which countertop we can go to. That is the government forcing compliancy for the rest of the rest of the people, forcing compliancy for white people to treat black people different. That is the apparatus of the government at play. And so I wanted specific, I have a whole chapter talking about the over-reliance on government. And, you know, sometimes we talk about, um, you know, welfare and stuff like that. That's easy stuff to kind of talk about and how that creates dependency. But I, I wanted to highlight how much of the struggle for Black Americans in this country and the history has always been about the government and how the government has been used to, to enforce things. Slavery was the government forcing people to be in bondage. Yeah, yeah. And, it wasn't and, and poor the people white that, people living in the South. And, and the people that <laughs> went out to collect runaway slaves were government employees. A lot of people don't know that either. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly the point. It's always been the government used as a particular apparatus. And it's not even just in, in, in America. If yeah. you want to look at South Africa, you know, in apartheid, that was the government enforcing rules and enforcement and treatment of, of different people within South America. They can't do that by themselves. They need the government to force it. They need the government apparatus to put that in play. So I honestly believe if you remove the government from a lot of these different areas and forcing people to behave in a certain way, there would be way more cohesion within any country, including America. Man, I would love to have you on again to discuss specifically something along the lines of the separation of economy and government through cryptocurrency, if that's something mm. you'd be interested in, as well as uh, the role of fatherlessness and the fact that the welfare state has done a wonderful job at, at re replacing the father in a lot of, uh, especially uh, black neighborhoods. And that role yeah. is not mentioned enough. And I, Again, I'd like to have you on for a second time, um, maybe here in a few weeks, um, as your as your book gets rolling along and everything else. Uh, I appreciate you coming on and Absolutely. sharing your views. Uh, this has been a fantastic uh, conversation for sure. And uh, if you want to uh, stick around for the uh, after the uh, show, we have a private group member only Zoom call that will be posted in the Telegram and Discord channels here as soon as I wrap up the show. Um, so if you guys want to come and ask Adam some questions, the links for my Discord and my Telegram are in the description below, as well as the link for your book publishing company. You want to tell people where they can reach you and all that good stuff before we end tonight? Sure. So um, I'm the founder of Wrong Speak Publishing. So you can go and read articles 
Uh, you can find links to purchase my book, Black Victim to Black Victor, through. Uh, you can go to www.wrongspeak.net um, and find all the links there. Um, you can find my, uh, I know we're not a big fan, but you can find my Facebook like page, uh, facebook.com slash Coleman writes. Um, I'm on Twitter as well under wrong speak. So it's uh, at uh, the at symbol wrong underscore speak. Um, I put links to the articles there and, and occasionally I write stuff. Uh, I'm there displaying my displeasure with a lot of things. So, um, so yeah, uh, those are the primary ways you can contact me. If you're someone who's interested in writing articles for WrongSpeak, uh, please follow the links for submission on the website. I, you know, I want people to feel comfortable, open. Don't be afraid of cancer culture. Speak your mind, but speak it intelligently. Um, and that's that's what I encourage, and that's what I try to do as an example. So most of the articles are written by myself, but I invite people to contribute um, if you want to be heard and, and if you want to write. So um, please check it out. I just might have an article or two I might send your way to uh, Absolutely. for publication on your site. That'll be kind of cool. I think it's a worthy cause. And Anyway, um, so if anybody wants to join us here in just a moment, thanks for watching the Unframe of Mind show where we have uncomfortable conversations without a condom. This conversation what is, wasn't as uncomfortable as uh, many of the other ones we've had, but it was definitely fun <laughs> nonetheless. So uh, if you guys enjoyed the show, please hit the like button. If you guys want to support the show, you can do so. If you want to support the show, you can do so over on our website. And uh, we have merch. We have different various ways you can do that as well. And uh, it helps keep the lights on. It helps keep us going. This is a, 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 a endeavor of love. We enjoy doing it. And I love talking to guests such as Adam. And uh, we'll see you guys next week.